Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs in China, coming to you from a pop-up Chinese studio here in Beijing. I'm Kaiser Guo, joined this week by David Moser, who I don't have a clever little intro for. I don't mm. know why. I mean, I'm just, I'm just that's okay. I need no introduction. They jump into my head spontaneously <laughs> often, but this time, I, but uh, man, he's academic director of the CET program here in Beijing. Uh, and we were supposed to have been joined by Jeremy, but it's uh, Sunday morning over there, and I, it looks like he may have overslept. Had better things to I've, do. He's in the states. Lots of people in the states. I just came back from the states and uh, saw a bunch of my my old ex China friends over there. And joining their ranks are, are too many of our valued contributors to the show, and indeed, and many of our good friends. And today we have to say yet another zaijian to someone who's been both a regular guest on the show and a very dear friend to me for many years here in Beijing, Mr. Bill Bishop. Bill, how are you, man? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, thanks for making the time. I know I'm. You know, you you got to get on that plane and bid adieu to Beijing, at least as a resident here. I'm sure you'll be back, but uh, it's been a, it's, it's it's been great. You know, I mean, the, I, I, I uh, mentioned on my Facebook page that you'd be leaving, and I got a torrent of, of messages, you know, with suggested questions for you. A lot of people just sort of uh, wailing and gnashing their teeth and saying, oh, Bill's leaving. This is the end of, of it all. We, we actually, we've known each other for a long time, right? I mean, we met like 23 years ago. Yeah. I think Friendship it was, Hotel. Yeah, so one of those legendary summers at the swimming pool. I was in awe of all your uh, fans. <laughs> the, the more shapely ones. Yes. Uh, we were both more shapely back then, too, I think. Skinnier. And, yeah, skinnier, yes. considerably skinnier. Um, I mean, I, I know your story, but I think everyone knows you through the Sinicism newsletter, of course, which is an indispensable resource, which I trust you're going to continue to do at least uh, after you've moved back. You're going to be in D.C. But I don't think a lot of people know your whole backstory, how you got started as a China watcher, as what, what did Evan call, you, call him? The... China watchers, China watcher. Yeah, you know, I, I hate that phrase. You, you, you may hate it, but it's actually kind of true. I think we we all, uh, I think you, you're at least for me, kind of the go-to guy. No bullshit. Uh, reads the language well. Reads in you. you read, I think it's probably fair to say you read in Chinese as fast as you read in English. Not quite, but pretty fast. Pretty fast. Yeah, I mean you're. Not as fast as David, I'm sure. David, do you, do you think that's true? You, you read as fast I as... I don't know. I couldn't get up in my pajamas and do what Bill does every morning. Hey, I, I get dressed. <laughs> Is that one of your work from home? I'm a lot of vlogger in my underwear. What are you trying to say here, man? I like to imagine you in your pajamas, Bill. I'm not oh, gonna... Okay, we don't want to go there. <laughs> all right, all right, you know, yeah, all right. Okay. You just, a lot just, of things come out of the Good Bar Whiskey uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're drinking... What is this we're drinking here? Japanese whiskey. Hakusu. Mm. Hakusu, single bottle whiskey. Yeah. A 12-year-old. Okay. We moved on from Baijiu. So, yeah, okay, come on. Uh, Bill Bishop's story. So, I mean, we, we know bits and pieces of it here and there. I think a lot of people know that you were at SAIS, uh, that you were uh, you know, at some obscure school in Vermont for a while. Middlebury College. Uh, how did you get started as a China watcher? I think it had something to do with, like, you were saying bong hits. Is that right? No, no, no. I just I started Chinese in college in 86 because okay. uh, the um, Middlebury had a good language program. Russia was too cold. Um, Russian is too fucking hard. And too, it was right? hard. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, this was the height of Japan taking over the world, and there was a line out the door for first-year Japanese. Um, and uh, Chinese was sort of empty and seemed interesting. Hmm. Um, so I got started there, and of course, you know, you either hate Chinese or you fall in love with it, and it becomes this incredibly frustrating and rewarding intellectual challenge that because you can basically study for the rest of your life and never master it. Yeah, I call it a five-year lesson in humility. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's not five years. You don't learn it after it's five like years. Intellectual, you just it's humil- intellectual masochism. Humble. It's intellectual yeah, right. masochism. You never um, actually stop learning it either, right? No, no, no. And, and so I did, I actually, for me, what really did it, though, was I came here... Um, I think it was on the C, is there a CIEC or CEC program? CIE. CIE program in 1989. Um, arrived in January of 1989 at Beida and um, ended up staying through the end of June. And that, of course, was right when all the fun stuff was happening. Right. Um, right. And ended up working for a CBS for, for a couple months and slept on the square for about a week and saw lots of interesting things and... Um, got arrested at the end, but actually it didn't cause me problems getting visas later. But so I went back. I <laughs> Not finished, like I way way. I finished. I finished college, um, 
And then 1990, I went to Taiwan. I went to Taipei for IUP because at the time it was actually in um, in Taiwan. In Taiwan. Yeah, Taiwan. Because one of the things I realized when I heard 89 was I had no idea what was going on. So the IUP program, for people who don't know, it's one of the sort of the, it's the Cadillac of, of, right. of Chinese language programs, uh, except for CET, of course. <laughs> right. But now the IUP program, the Inter-University Program, which is the University of California, Berkeley, my alma mater, uh, operates at... Well, Stanford did at the time. Yeah, Stanford right. did at the time, yeah. right, right. And it's a, it's a good program. At the time it was in Taiwan, and Taiwan's great. Um, and so I did that for a year because, pr frankly, after 1989 here, I went back to the States and said, okay, I, I might as well actually learn Chinese because my Chinese wasn't really good enough to understand what was going on. So I went to Taiwan for a year and then actually came over to China uh, in, um, it was, I remember I was here the week that Magic Johnson announced that he had AIDS. Okay. So it must have been uh, like October-ish or sometime in the fall of 1991. 90, 91, that would have been right. Um, and I ended up working, I had two jobs. I, uh, I worked as a clipper, which I think is what cynicism basically, this is, this is like my lifelong calling. See, he says cynicism. Right. I, I always like that better than sinocism. Right. It's, cynic, it's cynicism, right? Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but, but it, 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 it just so, sounds so, like CYNICIS. So I worked for Baltimore um, and then also uh, I ended up working, I did my stint in the external propaganda um, system. I worked as a translator with the now defunct Chinese Literature Press. I was translating uh, short stories and essays for the Panda Books imprint. The panda for those of you who remember those books yes, back in the day. It's uh, since changed the same to the Panda Huggers <laughs> book imprint. And it's yeah, yeah, well, you know, and, okay, we'll get, and so anyway, so that, so that was, that lasted till, stayed here until I think May of 93, then I went back to DC to go to SICE. So I did two years sort of a master's in international studies and China studies. Uh, and I didn't do Nanjing program because I figured I'd been in China. I wanted to go back to the States. You had some really important mentors at SICE, right? Um, people well, my advisor was, uh, was uh, Alice Miller. That's right. Right. So, and, and that, was a, uh, that, was, that was great because she was, you know, she's, she's one of the top scholars of Chinese po elite Chinese politics. Um, and so that was, you know, no one's ever fully right about what's going on here, but uh, she's had a multi-decade sort of analytical framework that she's used back from her time in the government and now in time in academia. And uh, it's a useful way to sort of look at things. We also had a really, this helped with the newsletter too. We had a fun class, which half of the class was basically going through Western <laughs> media reports about Chinese politics. <coughs> and and, and, and Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it actually was quite interesting because you go back and, and uh, it's, I mean, it's just such a hard thing to write about. So, so it actually, the things, lots of things keep repeating themselves. My favorite was because we were there 93, 94, you know, Jiang Zemin was a potted plant. <laughs> Jiang Zemin was going to, no, right. seriously, right? The whole thing was a Hua Ping, right? right He's going right, to go right, away, right, you know, right. the whole, like, all this stuff going on. And you look He's back 20, 25, 30 a years later. A carnivorous plant. Uh, yeah, exactly. The plant in, uh, in uh, that Feed Me Seymour was <laughs> that, wasn't it? But then, so, I mean, I'm almost done here. But then, actually, after, um, after SICE, uh, ended up, this, I, I wanted to stay in the States. I didn't want to just become a China person. And I wanted some U.S. work experience. So I ended up going out to Silicon Valley. Uh, to, I got a job at a company that had a little a JV here for financial data and did that for a couple of years. And then out of that company, we started what became um, MarketWatch.com, Market Watch. yeah. which I was there in MarketWatch.com for seven years. And then I came, I started coming to China in September 2004 um, right. and then moved here permanently in 2005. So in, in that 98 to, to 2004 period or 97 to 2004 period, how did you, how did you keep your Chinese? I mean, that's a long time I didn't, to be away from I, 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 My Chinese would be much better. Uh, yeah, so I, mean, lost, I lost a lot of it just because I was not, I came to China like, maybe came to China four times, but back then it also was, it was, it was a much longer flight, a lot of stops, go through Japan, yeah, this is a bigger right. hassle, remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, one time I had a four-day flight from San Francisco because our flight was late, we missed our connection, then Japan, the next day flight, there was a snowstorm in Beijing, we went to Dalian, we had to spend two nights at Dalian, I had to take the train back, the overnight train back, anyway, long story, but it was, um, it, it was just a lot harder to come here back then in some ways. Yeah, so, but uh, you, you did, and in 2004, you started a little company called Red Mushroom. Well, I, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. that was a, I'd really not talk about that. Okay, um, we won't. Then. But that was the reason I came to China. I came back to do a, an online game company with a friend of mine, and um, it got me back to China, but it uh, it also lost me a lot of money, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and some friends who invested. Uh, did that for about four years, and then uh, after we shut that down, sort of just basically... Uh, hid because the world was ending and if you remember the fall of 2008 hid for a I few months remember, yeah. and then uh, started just doing some consulting um, we had little kids and my spouse started a, a, her own business and then uh, got bored when the Boise Live stuff started happening decided <laughs> to start sort of doing more of the blog a little more I mean everybody yeah, blogs you, right? you, a little blog, you were blogging before too you had actually two blogs for a, a while tech blog yeah, yeah. Digicha and yeah, then, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so then I just it's sort of newsletter kind of took on a life of its own yeah 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 so, and then 
it's fun. I, I enjoy it. It doesn't really pay the bills. But. I think you know, one of the roles that you've kind of carved out for yourself here, um, in, in not, not only through your newsletter, but also through your presence on some social media, particularly on Twitter, and some people would, would say you're I mean, maybe somewhat critically that you're sort of this self-appointed ombudsman, uh, this, this people person. People can unfollow me. Right. No, That's no, the beauty no, of Twitter. No. They don't like it. They can unfollow. <laughs> no, but I, I, I personally believe that you, you do an incredibly useful service. But, I mean, you're one of the people who uh, will – uh, lock horns with with some of the the media who you think are are doing a poor job. You're not. You don't seem afraid. I mean, maybe you could take a diplomacy lesson or two. Uh, but uh, you, you know, sometimes it's 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 great to see. What are you trying you, to say? Uh, it's <laughs> great to see that you'll you'll actually you know you'll you'll uh, call people out when you think that 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 the reporting is bad. Well, I mean, the, the, so the reality is right is with the newsletter and and part of it is, you know, I spent a long time studying about China and. This is a really hard place to understand. It's actually gotten harder in many ways. Mm. It's also a really important place to understand, and it's actually gotten more important to understand. And so I think that, um, you know, it's really important that the people who are sort of the interpreters of what's going on here are actually trying to really present, I think, a, a very sort of non-ideological, uh, fact-based view of what's going on here. Because there's so much noise. I mean, you, you talk about the blogs or whatever. There's more noise than ever, but there's just so much noise about what's going on here. And if you have garbage in in terms of sort of an understanding of what's going on here, you're going to have garbage out in terms of policies. And if you're, say, for example, in D.C. and you have bad information, bad punditry, has some impact on policy, you know, things are not good now. They're going to get a lot, a lot worse with bad information, with worse information. Yeah, I, had, I actually had a question. Uh, you know, you as someone who, who was here to those eras, and, you know, Kaiser, you were here too. We were all here at those times. Do you think because of this buzz now that we have in the, in the 20th, 21st century with the blogs and everything, that we actually need people who have been here more long term and have seen uh, what's sort of in the DNA, that there's a sort of distraction about the blogs as people think they understand a lot more when actually China, what, what makes China, China is much more of an ongoing long term reality. No, I, th I think yeah. like like in lots of issues, there's a lot more noise now, and so part of part of the a big part of the challenge is figuring out how do you <coughs> how do you you know how do you get the right signal, signal to noise ratio. And and for me personally, you know, as somebody who had a blog, has a social media presence, I mean, you do that in, in some ways. It's narcissistic, right? Because you want people to like listen to what you think. It's I decided that ultimately I could just be writing blogs, blog pieces, and sort of spouting, you know, what's the right word, sort of. Pontificating, pissing to the wind, or pontificating <laughs> to the wind, or whatever, whatever the word is, um, and you know maybe people would like your post or not, but actually the taking more of a meta approach actually I think ended up giving me, um, made it much more useful for readers, and so you end up with a much bigger readership. Right, um, right, and, right, and you know then ultimately right, all, you know I, I I have my of course we all have our biases. I have my biases. Uh, my views on what's going on here have certainly changed. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm leaving. And, we'll and talk so about I think that, that yeah. certainly is, you know, starting to come through. But I also think it's, and I'm somebody who has a lot of things invested here and have a lot of reasons to want this to be going in, what, in a positive direction. And I try to be optimistic, but I am at the point where I just, I don't want to be here with my kids. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get there in just a little bit. But um, before we do, I think all of us have a little glib phrase that we can go to, and depending on how long we think we can go on for, uh, it's, it's longer or shorter, when asked, What's kept you here for so long? What What do you find so compelling about China? I mean, you know, what's kept you here for eleven years? The taste of the air in the morning. Yeah, friend, food, not snarky. But friend, foods, and um, friend, yeah. singular foods. Friends, friend. uh, food. Yeah, friend, my dog, right now. Right, friends, friend. food, and the um, some more whiskey, Bill. No, I mean, <laughs> no, you know, the thing about here is, is, is every day is a challenge. Because nothing's easy here. It's in a different language. It's a different culture. It's incredibly intellectually stimulating. Yeah. It can be extremely frustrating, but it's never boring. That's right. And I, you go back to the U.S., and, you know, the U.S. is great, and it's comfortable. And, yes, there are things that are also very difficult, but, but you can also just kind of – you can sort of kick it down. Like my Chinese friends who moved to the U.S., you know, some of, some of them are coming back because they're bored out of their minds. But all of them will say, ah, what's a bullet? Mm. Yeah, you know they're just—it's like it's not ex everything here you try to do. It's exhausting, and for some, it's exhilarating. But now that we're a little older, sometimes you want <laughs> you don't need a little less exhilaration. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad for the heart. <clears throat> I, I, I feel you, man. I totally feel you. 
Um, uh, David, what's yours? Well, I mean, just, just let's go around and... Yeah, the same thing. I mean, I, I sometimes say it's my drug of choice. I mean, you can't take drugs all the time, but you can stay in China. And it's like, it's exhilarating, <laughs> exciting. But, you know, you uh, somebody, somebody said, I don't know who said about the, 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 the period of the, of the late Qing, that, that it was not only the most amazing time in Chinese history, it was the most amazing time in, in world history. World history yeah. And I sort of think, like you, Kaiser, when I, when I came here especially in the 80s, even though a lot of this stuff hadn't happened yet, I had a, I did have an intuition, I have a sense that, that this was the start of a story that was just going to be... Yeah, I kind of, uh, you know... Uh, you know uh, got to see how this plays out. Yeah, right. and, and, and also as a way, as an American, I think that, the, that I felt like it's a good place to be here. And, you know, all of you as, as Americans, the, the, the relationship, the bilateral relationship being so important, I feel like being a bridge in some ways is an important thing to do. It's a useful thing to do. It's do you, do you feel that? Do you and what you do is really useful. I mean, you, you're, you're managing student lives here and bringing kids yeah, over here. That's and right. That's right. Right. I, I, it's I very important. You know, it's a that, very, yeah. very good thing to do. Has that been part of your mission <clears throat> here, Bill? Do you feel like bridging is, is important for you or is it just more... No, I mean, look, my, my kids are born here. Our kids are born here. We have twin girls. We've, we've purposely put them in the same school as, as your kids, but into a local primary school where they're totally bilingual. Um, I mean, a whole family in some ways is a bridge. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so that's why uh, it's not an easy decision to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, leaving is something I think we've all at some point or another contemplated. David, your wife is now working in Djibouti. Uh, you know, I am, to be perfectly honest, uh, you know, in, in v- very serious contemplation of a move uh, in in about 12 months. And uh, we'll see whether that happens or not, but uh, it's, it's looking very likely right now. Um, let the cat slightly out of the bag here, but... Um, you know, what 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 do you think you're going to be doing when you go back? I mean, you don't have a job lined up exactly. No, I don't know what I'm doing. To be perfectly honest, I mean, we're basically it's jumping off a cliff. It's it's uh, um, it's it's a bit exciting. You know, we're not dead yet, so I'm older now, but it's never too old to to reboot. Um, you know, professionally, China has actually not been particularly successful for me. Uh, certainly had more success uh, in the so U.S. land ground, man. So I mean, but, the, the, but, you're, but you're going back in an election year. You're going back, right. or you know, or it's not le- the year itself, right now, but well, that's summer 2015. I mean, it's, it's gearing up, uh, and there were a lot of people who want to know. I, I, like I said, I had mentioned that we were doing this show on on Facebook, and there were a lot of people who had had <coughs> questions about what you were going to be doing once you were back. Everyone knows your kids are going to be at Sidwell Friends. You're going to be in the Beltway. You're in a position where you can, you can touch a lot of people who are going to be making important decisions about U.S.-China relations, and you bring a lot of a wealth of, of knowledge and experience, uh, and you know unwarranted pessimism. But that's but uh, <laughs> no, I mean I, I certainly uh, I, I'm not sure yet. I'm talking to a lot of people. Uh, nothing is nothing is firmed up. Uh, I, I am planning to uh, remove the newsletter from its hiatus uh, at some point, oh, good. probably around Labor Day, and I got to figure out how to do that because I can't do it um, probably on a daily basis by myself. I mean, so far it's just been me, so I have to figure out how to. How to actually? Um, I don't know if it's gonna be interns or exactly what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm just gonna keep it. Talk to a few people about work. I think I'm gonna keep it in, as an independent thing and not sort of align with any sort of meteorization. I'd much <laughs> rather keep it on its. Uh, I mean, I like it. I, I'm not tend to be kind of independent, and I like I like the fact that it's my thing. I can sort of say what I want. I don't have to worry about. The only person I worry about yelling at me is my my uh, was my the visa guys and then my spouse. Right, so. right, right. Well, I, I mean, spouse, though, right? we've been doing the same labor of love now. I mean, you were on our very first show, remember, mm-hmm. back in April of 2010. Yeah. Uh, in, in the years that we've been recording this podcast, and I mean, especially in the last, I guess, three years now since Xi Jinping's ascent to the presidency, we've seen pretty significant changes go down in Beijing and the, the timbre and the content of official rhetoric and, you know, the, the frankly just much more assertive and kind of, you know, truculent posture toward the U.S., toward Japan, toward, you know, many of the other states in the region in, in the treatment of Western business interests in China and attitudes toward, you know, NGOs, toward the, you know, and censorship of the Internet. I mean, I could go on. I don't think anybody who's looking at the scene or has been following the scene is is more... Um, I mean, is, is inclined to say that, 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 that things are, you know, are full of rainbows and sunshine. Um, China today looks quick-tempered and irritable and intolerant and pretty pugnacious. And um, my, I think we all agree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but my question, Bill, is why you think that this is so? Do you think this is like a personal, personality-driven thing? Is this like, is this because of Xi Jinping? Is this some domestic political thing happening out of view of most of the outside observers or is it as I have you know posited in the past like a 
reaction to what Beijing believes. I'm not saying it is, but what Beijing thinks are you know efforts orchestrated really essentially by DC to thwart China's rise. You know, it's like the machinations of a hostile U.S.-led West. Maybe I'm leaving something out that you might want to throw. What, what's your theory on yes. what's happened? No, no, we we agree. It's uh, yes. Uh, I'm doing the Dan Aykroyd response. Okay. From, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, I mean the, the answer is. Yeah, no, no, no. That was from the um, you know what's the the the, the, the movie in Japan, right? The uh, oh, uh, lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All those Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> time. Bill Murray. Hakusha time. Bill Murray. Sorry. Oh God, I'm getting old. Here are drinking Japanese whiskey too. No, I mean no. To be not be facetious, though, the answer is yes to all three because I think one of the issues you you find in a lot of of you know, I'm not talking about the more sophisticated China analysis, but a lot of the punditry is you have a very reductionist approach to what's going on. So, so things become very much it's this or, you know, so for example, you say, oh, it's all domestic politics, right? right? Or it's all she hates foreigners. Right. Um, when in fact, as we all know, this is a very, very complicated and multi-layered place. And usually when you're trying to understand what's going on, usually the answer is all of the above, all yeah, of the above yeah, yeah. or bits of the above. Right. And so, um, you know, one of the things that's happened, though, I think certainly under Xi Jinping, and I think it's by by design by Xi Jinping, the information environment here is much more difficult. And so it's much harder, forget for foreigners, it's much harder for Chinese people to figure out what's going on. And and I think that, uh, again, I think that's actually a way that he consolidates powers. If he keeps everybody guessing, you know, what does he want? And so to, to answer your question, um, I think overall, you know, part of, part of the sort of chi- rise of China is a good thing. It's part of the natural maturization of a great country. And so the world does have to figure out how to make certain amounts of room for China's rise. What's happening, though, I think, is like a lot of things here, they're pushing too hard. I mean, it's not just the U.S. that's unhappy or Japan. It's basically every, all of their neighbors. And so if it's everybody, then it's not just their fault. It's also something China's doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the, the question— There was a great Onion headline that— uh China set to surpass the U.S. as biggest, biggest asshole, asshole in the year oh, is, it Dick, yeah. is it Dick or asshole? I can't asshole. Yeah, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I think they accelerated. They, they moved up <laughs> yeah, the timetable up. Time up. Table up right. um, no, and, and I think that, you know, certainly from the perspective of U.S.-China relations, I mean, there's a couple of interesting dynamics and, you know, folks I talk to who work on the, from the... Unfortunately, I don't talk to the, you know, the Chinese side doesn't really talk to foreigners that much. It's mostly people on the, on the, on the other side. Is, um, you know, there's the question of, one, you know, there, there's a certain... Uh, school of thought here that I think has gotten pretty good traction at senior levels that the U.S. is in terminal decline. And so therefore, China can push because ultimately the U.S., you know, to go back to Mao saying the U.S. is a paper tiger, right? right? And then the other, the other well, piece... Well, I mean, surely that, that cannot have much traction. It may no, have you'd had be surprised. No, no, no. 2009, you'd be, you'd, 2010. It's, 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 it's certainly has got a lot of traction after the, after the financial crash. Right, but, um, but I think there's been a little then, bit of consternation about how well the U.S. has recovered. Exactly. But... You'd be surprised how many people have say this, and people who have. I mean, I had one one person who comes here a lot on like these track two dialogues. Was here with a very powerful delegation a couple months ago, and um, somebody asked the, the one of the Chinese side it's sort of a question, and the, the, my friend who was on the delegation who told me afterwards said he was shocked because the Chinese guy basically started his his who's a, a very senior sort of sort of policy input person um, started his answer by saying, "Well, since the U.S. is in terminal decline." And then kind of looked around like, oh, maybe he shouldn't have said that. So, no, and, and, and so, you know, there, there's, there's, so there's that. Um, I think there's also, though, and th- this is something I heard recently from a, from a U.S. diplomat, there's this idea um, that seems to have traction, at least on the U.S. side, that, that, that the Chinese now actually believe two things. One, this is not, this, this is a different person who's involved. One, the U.S. actually thinks that Obama has the C team when it comes to China policy. Uh-huh. So they're easily rolled. And unfortunately, Obama and has a lot of people think not just about China that Obama is easily ruled. Two, that the U.S. is so invested in keeping the China relationship afloat that China can get away with a lot of stuff, and the U.S. won't push back because the U.S. is too worried about sort of upsetting the apple cart mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And so it gives the Chinese much more room to push on all sorts of issues. And yes, when when Obama was here last was it last November. You know, they announced the climate deal. That was sort of this great thing, wonderful thing. China probably would have done a lot to, anyway because it's really what China needs anyway, right? It's not just about the U.S. The upcoming visit in September is going to be uh, potentially very difficult. And I would not expect there to be any kind of big breakthroughs, sort of breakthroughs or, right. or any sort of big... Um, or even sunny atmospherics, really. Uh, I mean, I think they'll try and be look nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think Obama won't 
will look nicer than C look when he shook hands with Abe last year. <laughs> That's Apex. a low bar. So. <laughs> um, but I, I think that it's it's um, you know there there's really uh, and I think also you there's another dynamic on the Chinese side which is basically there's a window right now between now and the next president for them to push because again they see Obama as fairly weak mm-hmm. and they see him I think as as not willing to. I mean, look at across all the issues, uh, you know, the, one of the key words and our key phrases you hear a lot in D.C. is imposing costs. You know, we got to impose costs on China for cyber or for the South China Sea or for this or for that. Obama has basically not imposed any costs on China. And the Chinese know that. And so they think they can push, push, push. Clearly, in, for the next president, if it's Republican, you know, the Republicans tend to be certainly talk tougher, tend to be tougher. And if it's Hillary, they, they actually, I think, believe that Hillary will be much tougher because of her track record here. So there, you know, I think there may be this window of the next. What do we have now? Till January two thousand seventeen. So let's let's gain as much ground as we can now. Before yeah, because we're otherwise, you know, it's gonna be much harder in whatever is seventeen months or however long, eighteen months. And so I think I think that's a dynamic too that we shouldn't dismiss. Isn't true? The Chinese are also thinking very long term. They're thinking much beyond the next election with the things like the AIB, with this uh, you know two one belt one one belt one road initiative. They're 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 thinking. You know, I was mentioning to you uh, uh, the comment that uh, somebody made that, that uh, Bill Clinton told Jiang Zemin he was on the wrong side of history, and Xi Jinping now thinks that, that, chi- that history is on China's side. So do you feel like, they, they feel like they've got a long-term momentum that transcends yeah. all of these Well, I think periods? the question is, is his- history maybe on China's side, but is it on the Communist Party side? And so I think one of the, one of the issues that she clearly they're worried about, and I think a lot of it comes back to all the work they've done around the fall of the, the, the Soviet Union is making sure that, again, making sure that China and the CCP are the same, so that history is on the CCP side. Right. Um, Speaking and that's of very different. Of, of sides of history, I mean, this, this supposes this sort of teleological view of history that I actually have a, a great deal of difficulty separating myself from. I mean, I think we all kind of em- embrace it. I mean, even people who have a pretty sophisticated understanding of history, it's, it's hard not, I mean, to, to sort of step away from that inherent teleological assumption that, you know, there's a curve. You're behind yeah, right. the curve, or you're ahead of the curve on history. And and Bill, I've heard you say this, f- use this phrase before. Um, you know, uh, in 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 arguments you've had with people, you're saying you're not going to be on the wrong side of history. You you, you think that uh, China is clearly or under sea is not advancing in in a way that you think. Uh, and th- this 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 ties to a discussion that we've have had ongoing for the last several years, really, where. Um, you, you. I know you've recommended to many people of, of the book, uh, the China Fantasy by James Mann, mm-hmm. and um, you're kind of a big endorser of the idea that engagement doesn't work. That uh, no, actually, my entire career has been part of hoping that engagement, engagement does work, right? No, no, and, know, and, know, and then reality yeah, sort of intervenes, mugged by reality. Yeah, you poor liberal. Uh, but but that's since 2012. Since 2012, so I mean that's that's uh, so a three-year maybe anomaly, uh, three years because of. Uh, I mean, I I still remain somewhat optimistic about this. Uh, you know, let's let's set aside for the moment whether you know we have an inherent a, 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 a view of history that says it moves you know forward from point A to point B. I don't necessarily think that it does. I think that we're all kind of all jammed together in this kind of common present where people are at very different points and have different ideas of how to arrive at a, 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 a modernity. And it's not necessarily going to be, you know, uh, the secular capital, liberal, liberal capitalism or whatever. But I think it's actually, um, I would make a, a case that China will, at least in a kind of, you know, medium, long-term, go toward that. And we, remember we talked about on this, this show before, there was this, this uh, ideological spectrum survey. Yeah, that, right, uh, yeah. And... It was it was it was pretty clear that that among Chinese people, people with whom those values that we would you know say, well let's let's just just, just for convenience sake call them sort of enlightenment values or whatever that that those have sunk in more deeply with those who clearly have had more exposure, in economic and cultural and social and interpersonal exchange with the West, and that that gives me kind of confidence that that. Engagements, you know, it is making a difference. The, the but you have the top leader who has had basically almost no contact with the West. I mean, he went to Iowa for a few weeks. Right, right, right. But yeah, right. So it didn't sink in with him. No, no. I mean, it obviously didn't. But you know, he's not immortal, and neither are. are. But 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 I think the the 
for some of us, and I don't know if Bill agrees, but I mean, there's this juncture. We always had this faith that as China grew stronger, it became more engaged, we had more, you know, sort of ties with foreign countries, that it would that it would mellow, so to speak, become uh, more of a, of, a, of a global player, and would relax and feel, in its confidence, it would it would loosen up and allow for more uh, domestic, you know, freedoms and, and then, you know, quit censoring the internet. And I think what Bill, if I'm not mistaken, one of the things you're feeling is that it hasn't gone that way. They're doubling down. Quite, quite, quite the opposite, opposite direction. But, but, but no, I mean, what I'm feeling, it's re- again, it's, it's, it's reality. reality. Right, right. It's not it's an opinion. But, but, it's do you, reality. but do you think that China's fundamental, the government, I'm talking about the CCP now, is it still fundamentally insecure? They have a feeling of insecure. Yeah, 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 yeah that's the opposite. I mean, the, the, the reality is, is the CCP, as an organization, has never felt secure. And their entire, their entire history is based on you know, secrecy, controlling ideology, controlling propaganda, and basically stamping out real and perceived threats. And now I think what you're seeing, I actually think one of the things that's very important to look at from the perspective of sort of uh, social control and, and um, frankly, the move, which, which one of the things I think is sees very clearly sees vision is a much more efficient, much more highly functioning authoritarian state is this, uh, what they're doing with this grid management system. Are you mm-hmm. guys familiar with this? is Wanggo Hua Guanli, where they're basically putting grids all over, you know, basically all over the country, but starting in the urban areas. And in each, each grid, they're tagging everything and every. It's basically Neighborhood Watch 2.0 with yeah. much better technology. The Baoja system. I mean, it's a full. Yeah. No, no, ex- exactly. This is, a, this is a, you know, this is not new in Chinese culture, except they've never had the kind of technology, the technology they have now. So now you're actually, you know, I, it drives me nuts when people say China is totalitarian because it's not. To, I mean, come on. However, they're actually much closer, I think, than ever before to having the technical, the technological platform. To, to basically like see it. everything. Like one, London, one of the things right. I think that's happening, for example, with these crackdowns you see, I mean, remember, the lawyer, the, the recent you know, crackdown of the couple hundred lawyers, um, this... China says only, what, 20? Wh- whatever, <laughs> whatever the numbers. You know, you got to remember, this isn't just C, because this happened in 2011, right, in the Arab Spring, and yeah, it was under who. I mean, th- so there's actually a lot of continuity between the previous administration <laughs> and Xi Jinping, and there's a lot of continuity between the previous, between who and one and the previous administration. So, wh- but what I'm saying, though, is now, because of technology, because of things like WeChat, excuse me, and other messaging platforms that everybody uses, that actually the security services can see, you know, it's all about nipping things in the bud, right? Or worrying about the single spark that can start a prairie fire. Now they see the sparks much faster all over the country. And yeah. So they're actually able to crack down much faster. So I think one of the reasons you're seeing more, crack down, more crackdowns because is they just can the crack function down more of effectively more effectively faster, because right. they built this incredible internet system, mm-hmm. which... You know, again, for all those cyber ut- utopians <laughs> out there, it sort of makes you, you know, I wasn't one, but I think they probably want to, you know, jump off a building because it's actually gone the, you know, it's the Morozovian view of the world where it's become this incredibly That's a reference powerful to Ev- Evgeny Morozov. Yeah. And with a lot of uh, U.S., the aid of U.S. companies. <laughs> aid of U.S. companies. Cisco, Cisco, the aid of the IOC. <laughs> the, the, right. the 2000 Olympics actually was right. a, provided a pretty your, your aunt. boost to, 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 to uh, who's your aunt? Wang Lee Moses. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm please, sorry. Okay. Please, I'm sorry. Please, please. <laughs> um, no. So, so, um, sorry. no. So, so I think I think that actually, um, you know, they now I think you have a much better tool set for what I, as an American, and lots of people in the West would see as far more, you know, significant recre- retrenchment and far more regressive policies than any of us expected. I mean, for me, I never thought China. I never thought China was going to be a democracy, but I certainly bought into the idea that engagement would lead to a, a much more uh, confident and sort of friendlier mm. state with some you know, broader space for discourse and broader... And, and you certainly had that, but what's happening is it's not the actual absolute um, sort of size of that space people have. It's the fact that the trends are now going towards going from expanding to restricting. So three years ago, I was totally on board with the, you know, the, these internets expanding the information horizons of people. Now, though, under Xi Jinping, they're, they're, they're constricting the information horizons. So the trend lines, the problem for me, what scares me the most, <coughs> isn't exactly where we are now, but it's where we're headed. And what will change those trajectories? What, what now is out there that's going to change what looks to be on several different sort of right. metrics, pretty, pretty uncomfortable trajectories that, you know, not just for me as a foreigner, but I think for a lot of people who are Chinese and live here. So let me suggest one possible explanation, which is, I mean, if I look at the period uh, between September 11th and, say, that, that moment of kind of China, Chinese triumphalism and 
the Western sort of decline that, you know, the, the fact that, that three weeks after the closing ceremony of the 2008 Olympics, you know, it was the Lehman crash, right? Uh, the, right. So, I mean, the, 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 there was that, that pivotal moment there. But in, that, in, the, in, in the interim period, you know, the Internet was never more free. You know, if you look at like the year 2007, 2006, 2007, there were not a lot of sites that were blocked. There was not a lot of domestic. Because there weren't the users and they didn't, know, no, they didn't, know, they didn't you know, understand what it was. Right. But what I'm suggesting is that 2000, is that, is that, is that September 11th and the sort of de facto alliance and the global war on terrorism and, and the U.S. sort of off of China's back was part of this that that uh, I think that there that that what happened in the aftermath of that, especially the Arab Spring, uh, has convinced China that there is this sort of you know program of liberal. We well, has convinced the Communist Party that there is. Right? Uh, okay, that's what I mean right yeah. here. Has convinced well, not the Communist Party, but also a lot of Chinese people who really sort of feel that uh, there is this this effort to thwart that you know when this happens at the same time as rhetoric about. A rebalancing or a pivot, as they you know initially branded it, uh, when this is happening, you know, uh, they, they think that whether it's neoconservatism or whether it's sort of the uh, the, the Democratic Party's kind of Samantha Powers style uh, liberal hegemonism, it's it, they use the same set of, of tools in that familiar toolkit with which they approach the bastions of any authoritarian country that they, they feel like, you know, taking out. And, and that's NGOs and that, you know, boogeyman of any defunding and, of course, Internet freedom. Right. And, and it, it spooks them, and they, they, the reaction is, 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 I think, part of what we're seeing. I don't think that's – I don't go for the monocausal explanation either. I think that you know she's personality certainly has to do with it. There's I think that domestic, domestic politics, politics absolutely yeah. has something to do with it too. But it's sort of a perfect storm of these things, and um, I think I, I'd like to believe that you know if there were sort of an American policy uh, that uh, you know was results oriented, that you know kind of took these things into effect, that, that, uh, that in, in, into account, that wanted you know it, it's not like abdicating what we believe in and not not talking about uh, the values that make America um, America but that that is a little maybe um, attuned to how rhetoric emanating from from DC is perceived in but Beijing. what about the rhetoric emanating from all the party journals about how basically they're an ide- ideological war with the US how right. is the US supposed to take that Right. We're just supposed uh, to ignore uh, and say, oh, they don't the, really the mean it? Is, is like, or we're supposed to say, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe maybe we should actually consider that if they think we're they're in an ideological war with us, maybe we actually should act like we're in a war. Because that's or, how or maybe acting. we should think that, that maybe it's something we said. Maybe it's something, w- maybe it, they're looking at, like I've said before on this show, at the, the smoldering fucking wreckage of the Arab Spring and saying, you know, you, you, you get the fuck away from us. But they were that, saying this before they were, I mean, you remember, I mean, you had Meng Jianzhou writing in Seeking Truth, and I think it was right, two, but it wasn't 2009, nearly as ubiquitous. about how basically, you know, the hostile foreign forces were using the internet to undermine China. Yeah, d- so this, was, this was before. But this, this line of thinking, all the Arab Spring did, I think, was actually prove it, it proved, it proved right. to the, what you might have called the paranoids in the security services, see, we're prescient, we were right. It didn't actually change what a lot of people it thought. It didn't just prove it. Gave him, it gave him, well, it gave know, him ammunition. Bigger, right, no, no, exactly. I mean, I wrote, a, I wrote a blog post but back then when I actually was writing stuff about, you know, I remember the whole, the, the whole Arab Spring in Egypt, and there was, I think it was a journal or somebody wrote this really nice, fanciful editorial about how, you know, the, 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 the Nile fever was going to spread to China and it was going to, you know, and, <laughs> and it basically my point was, no, actually what it's going to do is it's going to totally empower all the people in security <laughs> services and you're going to see a lot more right. crackdowns on the internet, no, you a lot more crackdowns right. offline. I mean, right. because, it, because basically, the, the, but these are not new thoughts. This, this, is, this is my point, though. This is not just a reaction to the last four or five years. This is a, something that's deeply ingrained because this is a party that well, actually it was sees any that was other ideology there. as a fundamentally hostile to it. It was, something, there was, something, it was there, but it hadn't won out. It, was, it wasn't the well, dominant I mean, thinking until after No, but I think when you say what won out, I don't think <clears throat> certainly part of what, what happened in the Arab Spring helped it win out. But I think you also have to look at many, many things in the domestic side in terms of the explosion of the number of Internet users, Weibo specifically, where you went from sort of Web 1.0 to actual right. this, this broadcast platform for the masses where you had certain people with millions or tens of millions of followers who were effectively disintermediating the propaganda ra- right. apparatus, and they were forcing the party the party which is used to setting the agenda was now forced to react, and that will never end well. Well, see, that's the kind of thing I was was thinking also. It, it just seemed to happen since Xi Jinping, which is which is you had 
all these these tendencies that had had to do with things like uh, liberalization of the internet because of platforms like Weibo. We saw things like NGO uh, foreign NGOs in China being allowed to operate as also a liberalizing uh, uh, force. We saw all these 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 factors that that seemed uh, to be uh, you know forces for for positive change, and that the Chinese at least theoretically would think that, that they were on board with. And what you saw again and again, and we've seen it most recently in the, in the recent crackdowns, the the disabling of Weibo by the by uh, k- killing a chicken to scare the monkeys when they when they went after the big V's. Remember that they basically disabled exactly what you said, the force that Weibo was becoming by scaring everyone. They, oh, were, they arrested people. They, they arrested people. Yeah. The same thing with the with the NGOs. They're cracking down. My my uh, my program feels that very keenly right. because they're actually destroying this thing that's been built up over the last 10, 15 mm. years mm-hmm. of NGO. And and this this recent arrests of human rights lawyers and the feminists, right? So all these things that we as foreigners and you and I used to, you know always used to think as these are the kinds of things that are you know changing China. You can use the word peaceful evolution if you want, but these are the things that are making China. You know, um, uh, the building all the civil society. We for, right, yeah, right. and 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 we're we're naive to think that the Chinese government didn't know that in fact that was what's in the back of our no, mind. No, that's that that's it, right. we're talking about peaceful hoping yan bian, is peaceful evolution, right? And so what's what's discouraging is that, at least to me, I was thinking, you know, things are moving in the right direction. These are inexorable f- historical forces that have to do with these new technologies, with the instinctive sort of, you know, instincts of the people who are working together to solve pollution and human rights and this and that. And the shocking thing is that she does not seem to be, uh, you know, uh, in line with the, He's with the agenda. Us. He's onto us. Exactly. <laughs> and, and he, he He's seems, to be, out. He seems <laughs> to be reading well, our, our editorials. No, but, 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 but what's interesting, I think, <laughs> is like on the Internet, a lot of these things, actually, these, these are things that started in the previous regime, you know, before she... But like a lot of things in the previous regime, stuff just didn't really get ha- didn't really get implemented very well. She on the other end comes in, and he's a badass. I mean, yes. look at what he's done across the bureaucracy. That's right. You can say what you think about him. Saying call him a badass doesn't mean you think you like him. But I'm saying that he's actually getting stuff done. Right. And so part of it is His popularity ratings right. through the but roof. But so Kaiser, right? back to the sort of the whole China fantasy thing. The three this three scenarios were sort of the liberal fantasy that engaged with China, and this I'm paraphrasing that it would basically become like us, and ultimately would liberalize, et cetera. The right. the, the collapse fantasy was oh the Gordon Changian, you know, <laughs> it's sure. going to collapse. And then the Jin, the one Jim Man pushed was well maybe actually by 2020 there'll be a really there'll be a much richer, uh, much better functioning. Uh, single party authoritarian state with a much bigger military and a much bigger role in the world. And the thing is, is I think actually that's Xi's vision. The thing is, is if you look at China fantasy, when you look at the China dream and you start unpacking it, you look at what Xi Jinping has, what he wants for China to to very much simplify. He wants scenario three that Jim Man laid out. Sure, sure, sure. And so he, the question he, then is, would you bet against Xi Jinping right now? No, I no certainly question. wouldn't right no, now. No right. question. And the way no, things but, are but going. What are the policy implications for the United States if we accept that that is the scenario? No, one of the one of the things are there are actually the problem right now for the U.S.-China relations. There are no good policies for the U.S. because so say you have the 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 liberalizing thing. I think is a fantasy. I mean, I really would be shocked if in my lifetime there's a democracy in China. I'm not. I mean, maybe I'm. Maybe I've been to Beijing too long. I go home and I'll be I dead plan in six on living months. God forbid. You, yeah. But, but you know, but but I think I think the collapse theory is is, hey, that was. <laughs> <laughs> There's barely any left, man. Okay, yeah, he, Bill's um, not happy that I'm drinking straight out of the bottle. Uh, uh, the the collapse scenario, which I actually think is very low probability outcome. It's higher than it was maybe two years ago, but I still think it's extremely low. I wouldn't bet on it. And then, and then you, but if it did happen, it would be actually a disaster for the U.S. and the world because even Ai Weiwei, now he's sort of debating what he said, but was quoted in the German newspapers basically saying, you know, be careful what you wish for because sure. what comes after may be even worse. And frankly, right. I think that's true. Very much. I mean, living in Beijing, wow. I think we would all agree with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That you don't know what forces could get unleashed. And certainly because for all the Chinese, for all the parties talk about fighting historical nihilism, they have been the ultimate nihilist in yes. terms of destroying anything right. that could actually take over what they do. The, a, a journalist who's no longer in China once said, uh, uh, like it was, we were like hanging I out know, after yeah. the show, she said, uh, the moment that China stops being a police state, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, the, the other scenario is sort of the China dream, the, the much more, you know, much, uh, a much high, more highly functioning authoritarian state with better modern governance. I mean, uh-huh. we should very much pay attention to what, what sure. she talks about when he talks about modern governance. That means highly f- efficient, functioning, authoritarian state. Yeah. And then with a much better military that's actually yeah. not nearly as corrupt and has much better weapons and much more money, 
Well, then that's another big problem for the U.S. because how do we, you know, and the U.S. I think is actually is to some extent willing to make space and work with China. The problem is, is China has decided that they're going to take a lot more space than anybody around them wants to even consider. And so, again, in that trajectory, one of the reasons I'm leaving, and there are a bunch of reasons, one of the reasons, not the top of the list, I have small children. You were here in when the embassy was bombed, right, in 1999? Yeah. I sure was. Were yeah. you here in 2001 for the high I sure yeah, was, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot more uh, things in the air and in the water in South China Sea, East China Sea, um, China, the U.S., China, Japan. Uh, I don't think anybody wants a conflict, but if there's any kind of an accident, if, say, for example, a Chinese pilot crashes in a U.S. plane and dies, right. I don't want to be in Beijing because I think what, you know, it was bad in 99 and bad in 2001. It's going to be a lot worse today. Yeah, it wasn't even so bad in 2001. It was really bad in 99. Right. 2001, yeah. I mean... 2001, was, they trashed the embassy. They, 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 they like, like... You know, where they like threw bricks at the embassy and basically destroyed the facade, right? No, they didn't. That was in 99. That was 99. That's what I was saying, 99. Yeah, 2001, yeah, yeah, 99. They, 2001, there were a bunch of journalists camped out in front of the embassy waiting Hoping for something the would happen, right? Nothing but nothing happened. did, right? Okay. It was, that was, that but was I think now it's a lot, it's going to be a lot harder to control that. Um, so, you know, and, and, and again, the, 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 the stakes keep rising, the risks keep rising, and China keeps pushing, and they're going to push, and, 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 you know, the world is changing, and part of the challenge for the U.S. and for other countries is to is we have to accept that, and people are trying to accept it. But the thing is, where's the limit? How far? You know, if if China were were to be seen as what the U.S. likes to call a responsible stakeholder, there would be a lot more, I think, willingness to give room. Right now, point to me where they're being a responsible stakeholder: mm. proliferation, North Korea, cyber, South China Sea, East China Sea. Carbon emissions. What have they really done? Well, uh, honestly, right. I, well, <coughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Iran. Maybe they were. Maybe Iran. Yeah, certainly I mean, not in Crimea. Certainly not in Ukraine. Right, and so that's part Libya, of the problem. Libya. Right. Yeah. This is this is part of the problem. I think from DC's perspective is well, okay. We keep hoping. I mean, North we keep Korea. trying to work with them. North Korea. I don't think you find anybody who works U.S. Korea on the U.S. side who's happy with what China's done. Not entirely happy, but no, neither have they been. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I want to I want to move on and talk about reentry into life in the United States. I, I just had five pretty glorious weeks back there, and one of the things that I realized is I was still kind of reasonably fluent in the discourse. I read kind of, you know, what my notional counterpart in in, in America had read, and I followed most of what people were talking about, whether it was you know, pop culture, TV, race, gender, the presidential race. How do you feel about uh, American reentry? Are, are, you know, this is kind of remarkable. That I mean, I, I think when I do, you know, years away in the pre-internet age, I, I felt like quite a bit of of, of disconnect with my home country. Um, you know, it's gonna, it's it's no big deal right now. I mean, it, it's it's like not terribly jarring that you're leaving. No, yeah, I mean, plus I also get, I you know, I've gotten back for. Almost three months. I was gonna say, I mean, for the last four years. So yeah, and then and then and then <clears> the <throat> reverse. It's like you will still be able to watch China from the United States. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I suppose if I assume I get a visa, I'll come back. Yeah. Um, it's easy flight. The. Uh, so you're making the case that the place doesn't matter, matter anymore. As much, right? The it world doesn't matter. Small. It absolutely matters. Anymore? I mean, the thing about I think like, the thing yeah, about I the think newsletter does, is one of the things I'm trying to figure out is it's it's it's. Um, Maybe I'm you know, just trying it, to tell myself this. No, but, no. I mean, but like, it, it's. I think it's more useful to readers and more interesting because I'm in China. Because yeah. you know, it's not just like looking at a computer screen. I know a lot of people here. I've been out here a long time. Yeah, let's talk about so that. You, I mean, you, you know, know just, one you, of the things you, I think you know, you, you, you you have a better sense of what's going on That's here. Right. You, you have a weird ass <coughs> network. I mean, I've met a lot of your, your your buddies, like these guys you used to play soccer with when you lived here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and and they've gone on to, to interesting and diverse roles. Uh, across a pretty weird spectrum of society, and this is kind of like you know one of your secret, your secret um, like uh, go-to f- focus groups, right? You can you can like sort yeah, of just have friends in Beijing. I mean, it's like yeah, 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 it's yeah, capital city, it's, and you know it's Beijing. So if you if people have been in Beijing for a while, that you know there's just it's it's a, it's actually a pretty small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I I, I would definitely agree with you there. I mean, my, my my, I have like unfortunately a lot of kind of outlier friends. I don't have friends like yours who, like who work as in real estate companies or SOEs or uh, you know who are kind of petty officials. 
These are these are the guys. They're older now. They're not all petty. Yeah. Yeah, not so petty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also not. It's not even that. It's also just the the, the person you see every day who sells you the gen being or something. You know, yeah, but that guy doesn't have that much to say. It doesn't. Right? It, I mean, no, they do. Sometimes yeah, it's just it's, it's, one word or one phrase, or so you get the sense of you know the feeling, of the, 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 so the, the the pulse of Beijing or whatever. Yeah. But so, but so, you know, so, the, so, the you price know, of I, eggs. I mean, there's another. I'll just. It's another thing. This actually has really disturbed me. Um, and it's a sign of because we haven't had enough, you know. No, no, but it's a sign of the environment. No, but this is this is actually it's actually it's a sign of the environment, and it's really been over the last eighteen months, which is, and I put it on Twitter a few days. I can't tell you how many number of times people have basically said to me, "Okay, you must be a spy." One, your Chinese is too good. My Chinese is okay, but it's the, whatever. One, your Chinese is too good, and two, why else would you stay in this pollution if you didn't have a mission? <laughs> no, seriously, and it used yeah. to be like a joke. It's not a joke. We sold our apartment, right? Sat down to sign the first contract with our buyer, right? And the first time I spent more than five minutes, the guy, he picks up his pen. He's he starts says, he's, he's somebody. He picks up his pen. He basically looks at me and says, no, I'm not going to get in trouble with you if I do this deal. I'm mean, like, what do you mean? He said, your Chinese is too good. I'm really, who do you really work for? <laughs> he wasn't joking. Yeah, yeah, no. But, and, but that's if, a kind if of, I had to put money that, on anybody a, being a spy, I mean, you know, who else, right? I mean, you'd be a really. Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Nashville. I don't work at a Chinese. Are you a I don't, spy, I don't, Bill? I'm not. A, I'm, no, I'm not. A, I'm not. For on the top record, of, Bill Bishop is not a spy. I'm right. not on top of the um, one of the largest data centers in China. Neither am I, actually. No, but actually, wait. Let me just finish. So let me just finish. So not all joking aside, it's actually a really, really, really bad sign. I think of the way things are going here because you've got a lot of people who are hearing. I think a lot of things we don't see in the press on the in their party communications right. that are basically, you know, one of the reasons the information environment here has gotten so much more challenging is because people are being told don't talk to foreigners. And people are realizing that there's no upside to talk to, people who know stuff, there's no upside to talk to the journalists. There's no upside to talk to the people who come on track to. There's no upside to talk to the diplomats. And so that's all, again, part of this overall trajectory. That's uh, like, well, what, what, there what, never what, was upside. There was always less there were, downside. There was, there was laxity, right. right? And the thing under Xi Jinping is there's nothing is lax, right? But right. so one thing, I, I mean, I'm leaving in three days, but I got to tell you, I will bet you in the next six months some, some foreigner in Beijing gets picked up for being a spy. My money's on David Moser. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's, I think it just seems like it's the next logical well, step it's, of it's, this it's, stuff that's it's, going it's on. The, it would be a next uh, domain to, to, to arrest a, not me, but some, some high, you know, visible foreigner yeah. as saying, you know, look, this is the next, he's, it's like systematic. They, they're doing it with yeah. NGOs, they're doing it. It's, 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 it's almost like a reign of terror. It's so like, one thing I would recommend people go back, and we can put the link on the podcast, is, um, is to watch uh, Silent Contests. Oh, which, I know, I know. Which was this oh, um, yeah. documentary that was made inside the PLA. Uh, I think it was October. It came out. It hit the hit the f- internets. I think in, I think it was the fall of 2013. <coughs> and um, you watch it at the time, and you know it's got like cheesy Game of Thrones music, uh, and it's got a couple of billboards like Silent Contest, and then part two, it's, it's silent, actually really it's Silent Conest, right? But you go back and watch it, and you look at it, it's all about like the NGOs, the Arab Spring, all this stuff, the U.S. plots, and you think, oh my God, this is crazy, this is crap, it's all, you know, the, the editing's really bad. You go back and watch it now, two years later, it's a playbook, right? Back then, people dismissed it. Well, Document it. 9 was a playbook, no, too, but, right? No, but right. 2000, back then, people dismissed it as, oh yeah, that's just oh, like some random little group, they don't really know, they're the yeah, paranoids, whatever. You go back now, it's like, holy crap, this is mainstream. Yeah, interesting. And it's <laughs> terrifying. Interesting, yeah. Bill, Bill has sunk into the depths of pessimism here. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, again, but, but, but it's, 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 you know, and I, again, I, I've been through some cycles here. I was here in 89, right? Uh-uh. And I came back a year and a half after 89 when things were pretty bad. The, the, the issues here are you, you've certainly seen periods where things, there's, there's been real sort of retrenchment here. And maybe this is one of those periods and it's about domestic politics and she gets through the corruption crackdown and he finally feels like he's really consolidated power. And then it's like, you know, Tong 2.0. Right, right. He blossoms out. I think, though, what we have to really consider is he just fundamentally, this is what he is. And this is what he wants China to be. And I certainly, when he first came to power, I was hoping that it was sort of, you know, go left to go right, right? Or whatever the, you know. The, right, the, right, right. Now I think it's go left to go left. And, you know, not Mao. He's not Mao. This whole cult of Xi, cult of Mao bullshit is just so off base about right, what he's right, actually right, trying right. to do. Um, but 
you have to face the reality of what's going on here. And this feels very different than anything that's happened in the last 20 or so years here. So this is a guy, my, my he's a guy with much more capacity and much more capability, it seems like, to actually push through what he yeah. wants than you had under John Zanetti, you had under Hu Jintao. Yeah. And so for me, again, I have a lot of reasons to actually want to be positive about this relationship. And I certainly am trying to stay positive. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm going to do things that try and, you know, keep things on an even keel. But I also think that we have to be much more cognizant about some things really going off the rails here. And I'm really worried about the next 15 months, the presidential election cycle, because between what's going on here domestically with the economy, what's going on here with the politics, what's going on with the, 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 the external environment, what's going on in the U.S. domestically, what's going on. With, it's, there's a lot of potential. Yeah, a lot of pieces of real, Much lot, more yeah. so than previous election years, a real witch's brew of problems to erupt. Yeah. yeah, and I think it does have to do with what we were just saying that that their their level of of current surely uh, uh, you know which whatever you translate that you know just power influence yeah, yeah. or whatever is not commensurate with Juice. with their self with their with their self confidence. They're still behaving, you know. There's still kind of mentality in the age when they used to say, "You have hurt the feelings of the Chinese people." Right. Oh, they, 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 they have stopped using that phrase. They stopped using the phrase, yeah, but yeah. they're but they're still like Let's having a redress of, of this sort of situation, yeah. and that's kind of scary because they're both powerful and at the same time paranoid. David, we have to be mindful. Bill needs to leave really soon. I, no, I, I, I know. I can keep talking. Actually, all right, right. Oh, that's good. Because back. there are a bunch of questions that, that, yeah, that yeah, people, readers. But I wanted some whiskey. It's gone, man. Sorry. Sorry. I can give you mine, but I mean... You know, no, no, no. Yeah, I have, I have so. You already said you want to see me in pajamas. I'm not going <laughs> to share a glass with you. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> one, one, one that I saw a couple times is, you know, what, what's some advice that you would throw to young China watchers? You know, people who were, are kind of, you know, been here a couple of years. They've got their Chinese... His advice is get the hell out. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's no, it's not. It's, it's not, actually... It's not that. See, no. see, it's not that. We're in a different stage of, no, in our lives. Part, we're different lives. And part of it is, I know, I know I'm sounding negative. And part of, you know, I have kids. And so it, it's different when you have little kids. Yeah. If, if we didn't have kids, I'd probably stay. It's actually really... as China. It's interesting, right? I just think, though, that... You can um, sleep on my couch. I, I have certainly <laughs> I have certainly lost the sort of the rose-colored glasses. I, when I came here, I had them that, okay, we're all sort of generally, basically, we're heading this all in this sort of happy kumbaya direction. And yes, right. there are problems, but overall, you know, Chinese and the U.S. really should get along because <laughs> people really like each other and Russia's the real enemy and, you know, this and that and, you know, this is awesome. That, that has changed for me and I don't see any... Well, Russia's still the real enemy. But yeah, well, yeah. Um, but, so, my advice would be to, one... Make sure that if you're here, you spend the time to actually learn the language. Because um, yeah. you can't understand the, you, I really don't think you can understand the culture if you don't understand the language. Right. There's Asia. one essay you should definitely not read, which is called Why is Chinese so damned hard? That'll be too <laughs> discouraging. Don't read that. Anyway. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> now you have Plico. It's not that hard. Plico. 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 Baidu Baidu translate. 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 Yeah, I thought it was Plico. Plico. It's yeah. Plico? Yeah, yeah. 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 Plico. calls it Plico, I think. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Um, okay. And uh, learn cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. No. Right? I mean, it, basically, keep two ideas in your head. At the understand same time. how to manage contradictions. Read on contradiction. <laughs> no. Um, no. Seriously. In Chinese. Is, no. Mal, yeah, that would be yeah, good yeah. if you do that. Um, you know, but actually, fundamentally, come here with an open mind and and with respect for China, what it's created, and Chinese people. You know, and I mean, what was your your famous core thing? Is like, don't be a whiny bitch. Is that yeah, what you're? Yeah, don't be a whiny little. Yeah, bitch. I mean, I, w- I would tend to agree with most of your advice. Okay, good, good. Yeah. About, you know, get an electric scooter. You never did that, though. You never. Wow, That's like my number scooter. one piece of advice. <laughs> I think it's changed my life for such. Uh, Bill, man, yeah. uh, we're all gonna seriously miss you, though. Yeah. Well, but but back to cognitive dissonance. At the same okay, time, right, so. no. At the same time, you know, we still have stuff going on in China. I'm not like expecting war, but I'm just saying that. You know, you, 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 part of the reason I think you're seeing a lot of foreigners leave too, part of it's generational, part of it, it's just a much harder place to live now. Yeah. You remember the old days? We had, you know, at some level, oh, well, it's it so was much wrong. easier. It's, it's an so easier much easier place. You know, you're special as a foreigner. Now no, no, you're but like it's nobody. also. And it's actually much better because it's, it's a sign it's of maturation. Yeah, yes. it's an easier yes. place. No, it's actually healthier. It's better it's for China. So, no, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's, it's not weird that you're leaving. It, what's weird is that you and me and David and Jeremy and all these, we stayed for so long. This yeah. wasn't supposed We're all to be. Partially broken. Right? Right. That's, partially right? That's why you come to China to begin with, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm 19 years now. I'll be 20 if I leave next year. Yeah. 20, 20 years. Oh, I mean, it's Jeremy was 20 years in country. Look, it's a f- what is it? A fifth of the world. I mean, it's yeah. you know, and the thing is, look, my my kids are bilingual. We're going to keep them bilingual. I bought their fourth, fifth, and sixth grade Chinese textbooks, and I'm going to teach them. I think I can teach them through sixth grade. Well, Relatively good, okay with their with their. Good luck, dude. What keeping them the, focused? Yeah, or? once no. 
once they're, they're back in the, once they're back in the, that environment they yeah i know we're, we'll, yeah. we'll 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 see we've i i, I did buy some um what are, what are they called the dins are good what are they called um yeah. cattle products no. yeah because <laughs> <laughs> you need those right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no the the uh, actually i want to get the cockroach spray that apparently they were using to evict people that's something in the news today for your kids I didn't, say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> well, we're still talking about your kids here, right? Yeah. No, but but um, Cattle no, but our kids are bilingual. We're, we're we're one of the reasons we're going to the school we're going to is because it has a lot of ties with ties with China, and actually part of what it wants to do is make sure it creates bridges to China. And so, um, you know, the relationship is too important to just give up on. But right now, I think you, there there has to be you know there's a one I think certainly for me there's there's sort of reality has intervened but two i think what what we should all expect is in dc there really my sense is there's been a real sea change where this idea sort of the engagement sort of premise which in many ways wasn't actually what richard nixon said when he sort of came to china right but ultimately that's how it got spun especially after tiananmen square and and sort of most favorite nations um status sort of yeah. mm-hmm. negotiations you know the idea that engagement and trade leads to liberalization right. and better respect for human rights, better ru- better respect for global rules. You have people who very much believe that who who now basically say we were wrong, and so the, there's there is I think we're on the cusp of a real shift in the U.S. policy towards China, and that is going to be very dislocating, and I think it's going to be very surprising to China potentially, mm. and that could be bad. Don't worry, folks. You still have me. If you ever get too dismal about it, just. <laughs> Drop me a line, and I'll cheer you right up. <laughs> Bill, though, you will be sorely, sorely missed here. I'll miss it. I'll miss you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, we'll see each other a lot. And then, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's, but you it's, know, I mean, my 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 words to you is, you know, get in there and do something useful. I mean, you're you just. I guess somebody's got to hire me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's there's there are a lot of people who will. There are a lot of people, and you you know, for something you don't need. Trump's campaign is hiring. <laughs> 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 what, what was his quote about the de- the, the devaluation? The, they're sucking the blood out of America, or something. Right, right. Yeah. So we didn't talk devaluation, or I mean, if, if that's even the right word. Corruption. I mean, why do you? I want to talk about the corruption campaign. It's just because there's a lot of reductionism. It's it's politics, or it's this, or yeah, it's that. Right. It's all of the above. Of course, it's of course, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, it's all. Yeah, because oh, it's only about redistributing wealth to the second, the red second generations, right? Nope. You know. It's about a lot of different things, yeah. but ultimately, it's only just getting started. I will bet you. Yeah. And yeah. I think to say, for example, that oh, he's not going to go after any red royalty. Or that, it's way too early. Why would he eat his own first? He's got to eat the other guys and consolidate his power. Of course. Yeah. And, and if you actually, if anyone actually thinks that red royalty has not changed their behavior, or had things that yeah, they haven't been watching, they had or get back, you know, it's a spectrum of how things get exactly. done. Yeah. Not everybody gets whacked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think you know I think the contru- new normal con- corruption crackdown is part of it, but it fits in with you know you go back and you read you know one of the other things advice people is read what they say, read like some of the things that are in people's daily, read Xi's book about modern governance. Mm-hmm. It yeah. may give you a headache, but that's you know I, it's it actually they actually tell you a lot of things they're going to do. That's what I tell my students too: is read the books and pay attention to the slogans and take yeah. them seriously. They yeah. mean what they say. And t- Xi Jinping is very terrifying. You, don't you think he's he's a true believer? No, yeah. it's, it's he, he's not a Mao. He's not nope. like you know. Where's the mass movement of these Maoists? Right. Everything is actually getting the masses out of the equation. Right. Right. Yeah, but exactly. no, look at that. I mean, the mass line. Where are the masses? The internet cracked out. If you want to use the masses, hey, unleash them. Yeah. I did the Mao exact never, opposite. Mao did never believe that anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, at least though. But so, but so, no, I think I think that um, no, it's you know, it's, it's going to be it's one of the biggest challenges for the Western world for the next decade, no question. And look, we all are here because we like China. We we have Chinese friends. Some of us have Chinese spouses. Some of us have Chinese American spouses. We actually want this place and our friends to be get better and richer. And it's actually been really good. See, you talked to my friends that I knew in 1992, 92, 93, and I played soccer with them. We were all poor. Nobody had any money. Right. You know, 10 years ago when I came here, you know, we've done MarkWatch. I made a little money from MarkWatch, though not as much as I know people have thought I made. But, um, you know, I was like the rich guy, right? 10 years from now, I'm like the poor guy. Yeah. Well, no, it's quite, it's remarkable. Sucks, yeah. Yeah. Right? No, but, but it's also great. It's great to see these people, and many of them have had much more satisfying lives than they That's could right. have possibly imagined 25 or 30 years ago. We always wanted a strong China and a strong middle yeah. class, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what we wanted, right? Careful, yeah. Careful, you get what you want, you know? <laughs>
So, I mean, the answer to me, I'm leaving, and I still don't really understand this place. I mean, that's the other thing I would tell yeah. the young China watchers is never, ever think you actually know what's going on. Right. And that's from the China watchers, China watcher. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I don't get, like, funded contracts and go to conferences. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I don't know. It could be this. could be that. Right? That's not, that's, was, not, was, what wanted, that's not what people want to hear. I was at a dinner the other night, and, and, and the kindest thing that was said to me was, I like the way that you say I have no idea so much of the time, that you can sort of be vulnerable about that and say, no, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, that, I, that, that's that's always been true of you too. I mean, you, you're 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 always uh, quick to admit where this is. We can't know. It's an, it's it's a known unknown. Right? right, and unfortunately, in in the current regime, fewer if fewer, fewer people actually know what's going on. And that again, also, I think is is dangerous because you know if the fewer people that are involved in the process, the more possibility you're running off of bad information. We'll record with you again. Uh, when yeah, I see happier you. times. Yeah, and happier times in Beijing. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll do, next time you're back in town, we'll get you back on for. You didn't ask me why I'm leaving. Oh, uh, we know. We know you're leaving. We know you're leaving. Like, it's funny. You know, the pollution didn't come up, did it? No, we we, we did ask you why you're uh, leaving. I actually, so just for the record, I think Beijing pollution is going to get much better the next five years. I think the Olympics. It's already fifteen percent better. And yeah. the Olympics, the the Winter yeah. Olympics are going to mean that this place is going to get cleaned up. I mean, other parts of China, yeah, maybe going to get worse, but Beijing's going to get much better. Oh, uh, for me, it's I mean, it's it's way way more the spiritual pollution than the actual physical pollution. I, I, <laughs> you no, want no, more? I mean, you're worried that if there's less spiritual no, pollution. I, I, the spiritual pollution is a Western. The thing yeah, you like spiritual pollution. You brought it to China. The thing that 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 sparked Conversation uh, about leaving for us is uh, hanging out one this last year summer evening uh, outside my apartment building. Kids riding their bikes and skateboards and stuff under a street light uh, out behind my apartment building in this enclosed area. And two of the kids in the building are, are talking to my children about how you know so and so in building three on the twenty something floor. He's got three mistresses, and the second one is really pissed off because the third one has a, a Lamborghini and she only got him off a Maserati or some shit like that. And I was like, <laughs> what pissed the? Off too. No, no, I was, I was like, you know, how old are these clapping kids? Clapping. They were like nine or ten. So I'm, uh, I, w- I was a little worried this about. This is spiritual pollution. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's, that's what yes. I'm talking about. Oh, that she's worried about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, thank I, you everybody I, for listening. Yeah, hey, um, and, 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 and great having a kind of uh, rambling, weird <laughs> Happy conversation. Happy uplifting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually, just to be clear, I've thought about this a lot. I've thought about this for a while. I mean, it's a hard decision to leave. Yeah, uh, and I certainly hope, hope everything. I hope I'm being way too, way too pessimistic. Would be the first time. Uh, with that, uh, we will see you guys next week on Seneca, and and Bill will be back. I assure you, I promise we will. This will not be the last time you hear his voice. So, uh, thanks, man. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah.